Welcome to Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Minute 61 begins in the Wallace living room. Absent Annie or Lindsay, Bob and Linda make out on the couch. PJ Souls moans a lot. And all I can see at first is a creepy little golem-looking doll in a chair behind the couch. Also, Linda tosses her beer can onto the floor. This will be important in minute 62. The camera pulls away from them. Second 13, the music really kicks in, and then... Michael's shoulder comes into view at the left side of the frame. They continue kissing, unaware of the shape of a man on the stairway watching. He's not really on the stairway, but again, the script was written before they had the house. Second 20. Interior, Doyle House, night. Now the script says the house is totally black inside, the only sound is the music score from The Thing. The Thing is already over, so we've moved on. Actually, this is weird because it says score from The Thing, but even in the script, they've already finished watching The Thing. Or is the script putting The Thing at... Maybe the script hasn't mentioned The Thing. So they're going to be watching The Thing after they watched Creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay, I can accept that. Or no, the movie had... Body Snatchers. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The, uh, or the script did. The book. The novelization. That's Creature from the Black Lagoon. Anyway, the script continues. Suddenly, the sound of laughter is heard from the kitchen. Then an orange light floats through the room. As it gets closer, we see that Lori is carrying a jack-o'-lantern, with a candle illuminating from the center of the pumpkin. Behind Lori is Tommy and Lindsay, making scary noises. The procession continues through the house. This isn't quite how it goes, obviously. It's not that dark. It's not set up like a scary scene that becomes not scary. Barely audible in the background is the television, Forbidden Planet. And I like that while Tommy howls all high and loud, Lori has this low ooh going. And Tommy, ooh, he's gonna get you. Lindsay, no he's not. Lori, hey, nobody's getting anybody. Stop scaring each other. Cook on the TV. I request the lieutenant's permission to take a walk outside the perimeter, sir. The procession continues into the dining room. Lori places the jack-o'-lantern on the dining room table. Lieutenant, on TV. There's nothing out there. Cook on TV. But there is, sir. Forbidden Planet is in its minute 65. It has been close to an hour since Annie was killed. Off screen, Michael has retrieved his stolen vehicle to bring Judy's tombstone to the Wallace house. Then I guess he drove it back toward home, parking it on Genesee and Hollywood, where Loomis will see it in minute 70. He has had time to walk back to the Wallace house, and presumably to carve that jack-o'-lantern we'll see in the master bedroom. Or maybe he carved that earlier, but placed it now. We'll talk about that jack-o'-lantern in minute 63. Lori goes to the window. Uh, the script actually says she looks down the street toward the Wallaces. Remember, she says they live three houses down. Uh, now, she wouldn't be able to really see the house, but she would see the van, I guess. Cook on TV. I mean, well, I thought it might brighten the boys' mess up a bit, you know? Lori's POV of the Wallace house. Lori sees Bob's van parked in front of the house. Cook on TV. If I could find a few wild radishes or something. Angle on Lori as she smiles to herself. Lori. Everybody's having a good time tonight. Lieutenant on TV. You better get back before the skipper does. Lori. 
All right, guys, what's next? Lindsay, let's make more popcorn. Tommy, yeah. Lori, no, we've had enough. Tommy is audibly disappointed. Lori, why don't we just watch the rest of the movie? Lindsay, yeah. Tommy, yeah. Lori, yeah. And the minute ends. With little else going on in this minute, I will mention here, instead of in minute 62, the jack-o'-lantern goings-on in the Doyle house are not as subdued in the novelization. When Linda calls next minute, they are still working on the jack-o'-lantern, and Laurie has to stop Tommy from chasing Lindsay around with a pumpkin on his head. What this minute really does is reorient us to Laurie again. Linda has just been reintroduced into the plot, and she brought Bob. Annie is gone, though we will see her again in minute 76. We just got a Dr. Loomis reminder in minutes 57-58. The movie is preparing us. I've been neglecting my Richard Knoll, uh, mostly because I still don't have an actual copy of his book, Blood Money, A History of the First Teen Slasher Film Cycle. In his slasher film story structure, we're at the end of part two, Disruption. We've gone from three, Leisure, to four, Stalking, and we have fully arrived at five, Murders. A shadowy killer kills some of the youths. Since arriving at this location, Michael has so far killed Lester and Annie. He will, spoilers, soon kill Bob and then Linda, before we come to Knowles Part 3, Resolution. In Carol Clover's terms, on the other hand, we are in the part of the slasher film where couples try to find a place beyond purview of parents and employers where they can have sex and immediately afterward, or during the act, are killed. Speaking of slasher films... It has also occurred to me recently, my favorite Halloween films are the ones that are the least slasher. This film. Michael kills when it's useful. The two dogs and the mechanic. Or, and his exact motivation here is debatable, when it closes the vice on his chosen target. Halloween 4, Michael not only doesn't kill arbitrarily, he actively avoids killing Deputy Logan until after they are all locked in the Meeker house. One of my problems with the new film is that Michael just kills people whoever is nearby. Although off-screen he has to have passed many other people before we see that scene from the early preview in which he watches trick-or-treaters and gets that hammer and eventually the knife, he doesn't really stalk anyone. In your classic slasher film, several of the Friday the 13th films come immediately to mind, the cast is inflated with expendables so that Jason, or whomever, has more people to kill as he almost arbitrarily circles in on the final girl. The movie is structured so that we get an idea who the final girl is early on. But you don't get the impression that that's who, in the case of Jason, he's targeting. I like the Friday the 13th films. I like the Halloween films. I, I like a whole lot of films that would fit underneath the slasher umbrella, but I also like it when they each have their own unique flavor. Michael Myers is not Jason Voorhees. Michael is more focused. He has his usual hunting ground, but he is Michael. He's It's stalking. He has a clear primary target, and he goes for her. He's closer to lawful evil, while Jason is more chaotic evil, or maybe neutral evil, since he, at the behest of decency standards, doesn't really target children, though when Jason lives, he is not above scaring them. But both Halloween and the Friday the 13th films fit the bullet points version of Noel's slasher film story structure, except... Jason rarely does any long-term stalking. People invade his turf, and he eventually lashes out at them one at a time. Except in Manhattan, but he and Rennie had some personal history. That is all for Minute 61. Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute. 
or Instagram, Michael Myers Minute. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a nice review if you like what you hear. Till next time. Imagine the silence of Haddonfield on Halloween. The trick-or-treaters have stopped. The parents are all at some swinger party somewhere. All kids like Lindsay and Tommy and Lori have is to watch the movie on TV. The horror-thon. Six straight hours of horror films. Like, that's a lot. <laughs>